Welcome back to the Illinois Agronomy Update. I'm your host, Troy Kazire, here with Hertz Farm Management in Geneseo, Illinois, and uh, kind of continuing the series on harvest updates that we've been doing here over the last uh, week or so. And uh, today we've got Ryan Kay with us. Ryan is farm manager uh, for Hertz in uh, East Central Iowa. And uh, uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Sure appreciate it. Yeah, Troy, really looking forward to it. I appreciate the opportunity. So if you would, before we get started here, take a couple minutes and, and talk to us a little bit about what your role is with Hertz and, and kind of the, you know, where your office is at and the ge geography that you cover. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, so as Troy mentioned, I, I'm Ryan Kay. I'm a farm manager for Hertz Farm Management out of the Mount Vernon, Iowa office. Uh, manage about uh, 15,000 acres in eastern Iowa for absentee landowners. And uh, quite a few of our farms, I would say about two-thirds of them, are participating leases. And uh, the, the rest are some cash rent leases that we work with the uh, owners on. And so we work on some, some ground here that uh, is some of the best in Iowa, 90-plus CSR. And then, of course, we have some of that, that uh, moderate to low-quality farms also that are closer to rivers where we have more variability in sand, uh, clay, flooding, those type of farms. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of our responsibility here in Eastern Iowa. Excellent. Well, again, appreciate you taking the time to, to, to visit with us today. Um, so why don't we, we, we want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing for harvest in your area. But before we do that, uh, if you, if you don't mind, why don't you recap, uh, quickly, the the growing season, kind of what you guys saw earlier this summer, and and kind of kind of how we how we ended up with with where we're at today. Yeah, no, that's that's a great thing. We're we're looking at harvest figures right now, but it's it was definitely set up earlier this year. Uh, we were able to get into the fields really uh, early this year, and guys really went after getting planting. Uh, corn and beans you know a lot of the beans were even planted before the corn here so we had a great window uh, that led up to um, really the first week of May so we were able to get 80 90 percent of our crop planted corn and beans planted in I'd say that April 18th to May 5th time frame and so you know everything was able to get a good start and then we got a little bit of too much rain in, a, in some of our southern growing area Highway 92 has kind of been a cutoff for us all year long. If, if your farms were south of 92, you probably got too much rain. Uh, if you were north of Highway 92, um, you, you were probably sitting pretty good. So we, we turned off a really good start here this spring. And then, uh, of course, just like most uh, areas in the Midwest, the rain stopped there for quite a while. Um, so we had just enough rain just to keep going most of the season, which I think helped with um, a lot of our disease pressure. We didn't have a ton of disease um, early on. Um, so we, we were able to kind of, you know, have a pretty healthy start and get through pollination and, and just get a few timely rains. We had some areas that did not get the timely rains. And so their harvest started there the first of September and, and the yields were off, off there more than other areas. Uh, but that was relatively pretty small area of our territory. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate the, appreciate the insight there. And that, 
it's interesting as I've been talking to folks around these different regions to see kind of what they what they dealt with. And we're hearing, you know, uh, in, in 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 not a very big area, we've got everything from just incredible oversaturation to to, you know, moderate drought. And uh, that really, really set the stage for what we're seeing now this this fall as the combines are rolling. So let's kind of segue into that. What are you seeing for, let's start with corn. What are you seeing for yields and moisture? And, and I'm sure it's been a little variable, but what's happening in your, your area? Yeah, so we, early guys were uh, started here about 10 days ago on corn. Um, but some of the corn that actually was too dry and, and died early, you know, that was harvested about a month ago. And they were seeing anywhere from about 10 to, I would say 10 to 20% lower than average yields in those areas. Uh, the corn dried down really quick. Um, and so we we're able to take advantage of a few of the early premiums, the strong basis levels that some of the processors had available here. Um, but we saw a lot of 160, 190 bushel corn where those farms, you know, APH wise are typically in the two, 210 to two, 230 range. Uh, so disappointing in those areas, but as soon as we progressed into harvest, uh, we started to get into some of those fields, of course, that caught more of those timely rains. And we're seeing anywhere from, I'd say 195 to 220 would be a pretty, pretty tight range that we're seeing for a lot of corn yields, Troy. Okay. Did it, uh, did it dry down pretty quick for you too, kind of like it did here? Yeah, it dried down really quick. Uh, the only thing that we've seen here recently with the recent rains in the last five to six days, it, it picked that moisture back up again. So we're currently, you know, guys that were harvesting last night, even before this rain came today, we were we were in that 18 to 21 percent moisture range but before those rains i mean it dropped down into 15 to 19 percent it's what we were doing we were even able to put some straight in the bins and just put some air on them yeah yeah kind of a kind of kind of a similar story in a, in a lot of different areas around here uh, so what kind of specific issues are you seeing i know in a, in a lot of a lot of the i state regions there you know stock quality has been an issue in corn um and various diseases but what what are you guys dealing with in in your part of the world yeah so so most of my territory that i work with is uh is corn and soybean rotated and uh, we are pretty strong believers in fungicide applications uh we have seen that that's a pretty good insurance pulse because it helps with standability and yield and uh, if you're going to increase your APHs and stuff, that always seems to provide a five to ten bushel corn yield jump for us. But so we we have a heavily fungicide uh, corn crop. However, we did see a lot of disease not early, but come in late, and a lot of that was um, gray leaf spot and tar spot that came in late. And uh, I was out in some fields here, you know, just three to four weeks ago that you know, I thought were extremely healthy. I mean, the stocks were still healthy, but the, the leaves still had the tar spot symptoms on them. So, I mean, it, it really wasn't affecting the crop too much, but it was definitely there. Yeah, once you start taking away that leaf area, boy, and, and you get to this time of year, it, it, it really starts to die out fast and, and uh, can, can make a difference in a short amount of time. Um, we're, yeah, that's we're seeing. Go ahead. Yeah, we're we're just seeing a lot of different 
uh, genetics on the tar spot tolerance, Troy. I mean, it just seems like, uh, you know, there's definitely some susceptible hybrids out there that, that uh, hopefully we can start screening for a little bit better. But um, like I said, the corn on corn that I've seen, uh, not in my fields, but in other fields, uh, it, you can really, uh, it can really take over pretty quick and, and start deteriorating the, the quality, the stock quality, and just hurt the yield overall. Yeah, absolutely. Now the the corn that you guys still have out in the field is it is is it still standing well? Uh, is it starting to deteriorate, or where, how do you yeah. where do you feel like things are at? Yeah, we had two wind events that came through. One kind of hit our northern territory, and one kind of hit our southern territory. And uh, those areas we've been trying to get that harvested and out uh, as soon as possible. What we've been seeing is, is row direction made a big difference on that. And then, of course, hybrid made it. Um, but, you know, that could hurt 10 to 20% on yields if if you got some, even some just slight wind damage. It can really add up pretty quick. But, um, sure. but yeah, I mean, for, for the most part, you know, we're we're still trying to wrap up bean harvest to get to corn, but the corn looks like it's standing okay for the most part here. Um, you know, it's October 13th, so we still have, have a window here to get things harvested in the next 10 to 14 days. So uh, you said most of your acres, the, the acres you deal with are, are rotated. Um, I suspect there's probably some corn on corn in, in some areas there. Did you, have you heard of much rootworm pressure? Uh, did, did that impact yield in any, any areas in your geography? Yeah, we we did. I mean, we we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of rootworm feeding. A lot of snow cover, and so we didn't really even have a frost in a lot of our growing area, and so that was able to allow the winter pretty well. And so, population the highest I've seen in eight to ten years of get that flood effect in June uh, when larva first hatch and we were able to get a kill that way too and of course growing conditions this year uh, happen so they just had almost a perfect year to to get out and and chew on some corn roots and it didn't seem to matter what what you had out there double-edged sword to to battle them you know you got to have the rootworm uh technology in the corn and then also an insecticide when you put it down to plant i think is the best two-edged sword i've seen to to battle the rootworm if you just go with one it's the the rootworm can outsmart it one way or the other sure so then what about uh, above ground insects ryan uh you know uh earworm or or western meat cutworm anything like that did you did you see anything that uh, had any impact in your area this this summer you know, Troy, we really didn't have much impact with above ground. And, you know, we had a little bit of army worm early on and a little bit of Japanese beetle, but nothing, nothing that really affected yield on that end of it that we had to specifically treat for on the corn side. Okay, good. Well, let's, uh, let's segue into soybeans then. What, uh, well, we'll kind of start the same way with them. What, what are you seeing as far as yields and, and moistures coming in right now? Yeah, so the bean harvest has been pretty slowed down the last week, um, but 
but really we were able to go a little bit this weekend and the moisture came back. We with the warm weather in September there, we had some really really dry beans that got down into eight percent or so. And um you know, with this rain and moisture in the air, it picked back up. We were seeing anywhere from thirteen to sixteen percent moisture beans again. So we uh we have been pleasantly surprised with our bean yields. Uh, we really didn't have high expectations going in, um, but for us, you know, we have a lot of 60 to 70, well, I'd say 60 to 68 bushel APHs, and, and we've been able to be in that 65 to 75 bushel range quite a bit here this this fall, so they're, they're definitely meeting expectations on yield-wise. Um, haven't really found any, you know, just where we got the late season rains has really helped put that top end. Um, but even some of my tougher soils, I'm really seeing some, even some record yields on some fields that are more variable, uh, on bean yields. And I kind of correlate that back to just, we were able to get things planted early. So there's just a lot of yield potential there. And we got a couple timely rains there in August. Yeah, I think, and it's, it's been kind of a common story through, through Illinois as well. Corn a little bit on the disappointing side and, and, most everybody's been pleasantly surprised with uh, with soybeans. Um, any issues there? Diseases or or insect issues that are that are causing you any problems or or uh, impacting harvest and yields? You know, we we've really had a pretty dry. I mean, soybeans really like to have dry feet, and uh, we had a few fields with some SDS. Um, in it, but not a lot. I mean, it showed up kind of late and it didn't really seem to affect the yield too drastically. Um, you know, the biggest thing for beans for us this year was just the enlist, extend soybeans, you know, drift uh, concerns. Um, you know, those have just kind of disappeared almost. But uh, that was kind of the big talk of the summer was, I mean, there was just a lot of drift talk, a lot of cupping of leaves, you know, a lot of visual symptoms. But um, when it comes down to it, we, we aren't seeing much yield change there. Yeah. I think in general, I mean, it's, it's something nobody wants to deal with and it's, it's, uh, you know, it definitely, definitely causes a lot of concern. And, but, but in general, it takes a pretty, when you start talking about cupping, it, it tends to take a pretty severely damaged bean to, to uh, impact yield for the most part. Um, they, they seem to handle a, a fair amount of cupping without, without any real yield impact. Um, of course, that depends a lot on the timing when it happens and, and uh, um, you know, the environmental conditions, if there's other stresses that go along with it. But that's good, good to hear that that has not really been an issue uh, yield-wise. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, uh, just makes you wonder what you need to be planting next year, Troy. I don't know, extend or enlist or extend a flex. I mean, there's just so many options out there and, uh, there's pluses and minuses to both. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably the key is communication, uh, neighbors talking to each other and, and, uh, you know, us as farm managers to be communicating with, with those, those of us or, you know, those folks around our farms. And, um, that's really going to be key, I think, to, to minimize any of these, any of these issues. So, yeah, yeah I well, would agree. Well, Ryan, uh, uh, again, appreciate your time here. Is there anything else that we haven't hit on that you, you want to make sure we cover? You know, Troy, the, the only other thing I was going to bring up, uh, that I was thinking about was, 
we're, we're really starting to see, especially when it got dry in June and July here uh, and started to add some stress to the crops, we started to see some, um, and we did a lot of tissue samples on this, and it was, came back as being more of a sulfur deficiency that we were seeing. And uh, we were seeing some different application methods of sulfur. So, I mean, if you got elemental sulfur and if you're trying to spread it with your P and K, we were starting to see some strips out in fields and, you know, trying to diagnose what, what that deficiency was or what stress was causing that. And um, we, we found out in a lot of those situations, we were, we were lacking sulfur on those areas and um, a lot of different ways you can apply sulfur out there. But, um, you know, sulfur isn't always the, the culprit, but that was one of the main issues. We see. Usually we see potash deficiencies, potassium mm -hmm. deficiencies, and I was just kind of surprised to see the more of the sulfur. So I guess... Looking into next year, I'm going to really be trying to fine-tune how I get my sulfur out there for the crop to need it for the next year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's something that we never used to think about, especially in these soils that have a fair amount of organic matter. But as we've, you know, as we've cleaned up the air and, and uh, you know, done a good job of taking some of those things out of, the, out of power plant emissions and things like that, um, you know, we're not, we're not raining it back down into the soil like we used to. And, and these, these trait protected root, uh, roots and these hybrids are doing a better job of mining some of those, uh, more minor elements. And, and yeah, absolutely. We're starting to see that, uh, uh, really in, in, in most of the ice states, uh, sulfur, sulfur problems are, are cropping up where we never really expected them before. So yeah, great call out on that. Yeah, no, it's just uh, the elemental sulfur is a great source. It's just not as quickly available as some of the other sources. And it doesn't get distributed evenly when you go to broadcast it like uh, your map or your potash does. So it's, uh, it's, it's an easy fix. You can throw it and it's pretty cheap to throw it in there with that, but it doesn't get distributed out as uniformly as some of the other some of the other products you put in there. So it's, it's just a heads up and you know, you got to look at it almost like your nitrogen. You almost have to put it on two different applications and uh, make sure the plants has access to it during, during the time it needs it. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, some of those forms we're, we're going to have to see what availability and prices are going to be next spring as well. Uh, you know, just, just like uh, the rest of our rest of the fertilizer supply chain, um, a lot of uncertainty there. So it'll be interesting to see what, what some of those, sulfur containing products do with, with with regard to price and supply over the next few months yeah no you're exactly right the nitrogen you know the, the p and k we're getting that on right now and you know we got a lot of those prices locked in in july to recently here that are they're up significantly but they're they're not crazy um the nitrogen just scares me as fast yeah. as it's gone up and the access to it it seems like that's got more of the supply chain issues than the p and k right now yeah it's uh yeah gonna be an interesting few months we're gonna be gonna gonna, gonna have to just kind of sit back and wait and see what happens well yeah well again ryan k uh farm manager the mount vernon office for hertz farm management uh appreciate you coming on and and uh, visiting with us and and filling us in, filling us in on what's happening with harvest in your area ryan no, I appreciate, appreciate the time, Trey.
All right. Well, thanks again. Look forward to visiting with you again. And, and thanks to everyone else for listening. Uh, reminder, we've got harvest going on still and a lot of equipment on the road. So uh, pay attention, be careful, be safe. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Illinois Agronomy Update. Thank you.